Welcome to Laughter for All. It's the podcast with comedian Nazareth. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Laughter for All podcast. This is comedian Nazareth, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Laughter for All, where we uh, interview comedians, uh, actors, pastors, leaders, theologians, models, uh, singers, you name it, anyone who I feel will be helpful to you. And and even when I get comedians, we talk about real life, not just being funny. It's not about just being funny, but also about being real. And you will enjoy it. And we are at uh, episode 107. So we've been around with you guys for over a couple, almost a couple of years now. If not, yeah, almost, yeah, two years. So... Uh, thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you for all of you all over the world that watch our podcast. So uh, I have a great guest today. I'm going to introduce him in a minute. Uh, he is from Australia, our first guest overseas. Thanks to technology, we can do that. We can connect. But before I do that, I want to give credit to our sponsor, the Professional Botanicals, which is the uh, the professional vitamins that I take that really help me and uh, they take my inflammation away, they lower my blood pressure and all of that. So I feel great with them. Let me just introduce them and here you Whether go. it's physical activity, obesity, diet, smoking, low on hormones, stress, sleep disorders, or your age can be supported by reducing inflammation and aiding the body to heal itself appropriately. A stem cell is a cell waiting to be told what it needs to be. If there is inflammation, that inflammation needs to be stopped. High blood pressure, high cholesterol, kidney disease, various types of cancer, depression, Alzheimer's disease, autoimmune disorders, osteoporosis, even fatty liver are chronic signs of inflammation and can be aided by supporting the body's ability to protect those cells that it needs, removing the inflammation. And that is the purpose of ImmuStem and Adaptostem together, supporting the body to be the best it can be. Yep, and if you want to get these vitamins, go to gethealthywithnaz.com, gethealthywithnaz.com, and you can get them. Uh, as you know, I just came back from New York late last night. I was there for four days celebrating my youngest birthday. Uh, it's something we've been planning for a long time. And thanks to points and uh, that I can accumulate, I was able to take her, spend three days in New York, and enjoy ourselves together. So also from there, before there, I was in Washington State doing shows and uh, for my uncle's funeral. And um, so anyway, I'm back. It's so good to be back. And I have a great guest. We Can I say we met in person? Not yet. We will. We're, we're going to work on uh, working together either here uh, in the U.S. or in Australia where he is from. Uh, he's a Christian comedian. Let me introduce him officially. He goes by the name of Uncle Nath. His name is Nathan, goes by Uncle Nath. He's a clean stand-up comedian from Australia. The playful nature of his stand-up gather entire families to laugh together. His engagement with audience creates a night full of laughter, fun, and memories that will last a lifetime. As a high school dropout from a dysfunctional family, Nathan's future looked grim. 
dropping out of school at the age of 16. He felt lost in life as being routinely get kicked out and moved along, became a regular occurrence in his life. No one wanted him around. Then out of nowhere, hope arrived. A local church reached out to Nath and his mates. The church included him when no one else would. They loved an angry teen back to life and gave him a future in Jesus' name. Amen. Today he has endless amounts of gratitude for what the local church did for him. He is devoted to giving back in any way he can. That's why Nath on the road declaring the church in a skeptical age. Nath loves inspiring others through his funny stories of hope to bring a positive impact. Nath has shared the hope the church gave him in schools, prisons, churches, and bars throughout his stand-up with a message comedy shows. So please welcome to the stage my new friend, Uncle Nath. How are you? Uh? Yeah, good. Good to be here. <laughs> so tell me, what time is it in Australia right now? Uh, right now it is, let me just check, it is 1.35, so it's afternoon, so it's just it's after an afternoon. Okay, it's evening here, so let me make you feel at home. Uh, let me just do this. Uh, I, know, I know this is unprofessional, but it will, uh, come on, this is taking longer than it should. Okay, how about that? Hey, Did that make better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Feels so like it is. now. Yeah, it feels like Australia right now. Uh, what's the temperature? Are are you guys in the summertime or uh, spring? Yeah, it's about it's about we do degrees. So I'm not sure what it is. It was thirty, so it's thirty degrees. So I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit, but uh, yeah. well, uh, when you get out, do you need? Can you wear a t-shirt or you have to wear? A, oh yeah, uh, it's 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 warm. Yeah, it's warm. warm. Oh, thirty is warm. Yeah, here it's about in California. It's also warm, but I was in New York. And it was 30 Fahrenheit, not 30. <laughs> so it was cold. Good, 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 good. And uh, let's see, what part of Australia are you in? Uh, so I live in Newcastle, which is just north of Sydney. So where we had the Olympics, it's a town north of Sydney. It's about half a million people live here. Oh, um, and yeah. do you have sharks? Is this like the typical, I'm going to do the whole stereotype. <laughs> yeah. Sharks, yeah. is there sharks where you live? <laughs> yeah, there is, there is definitely sharks. There are definitely sharks. And they're very, they very rarely bother anybody, though. We all just are used to it. Um, but yeah, it's the sharks. Uh, now, uh, Nate, uh, what is, I mean, we, we're doing this podcast, and I know people will listen to this podcast many years from now, but we are, when we record this, this is live, and we're during the not the pandemic, but we're post the pandemic here in California. What is it like with you guys with the COVID? Where are you guys at in Australia right now? Yeah, we're we're just coming out of the the sort of harsh lockdown. So a lot of people have been vaccinated. But for a while, we would, we had to stay in our homes. Then we had to stay in our local government areas, which is a pretty small space. I could drive out of my government area in 10 minutes. So we've been really... Trap. So it did stop all live comedy. You weren't allowed to meet together in churches. There's still a lot of restrictions in Australia. You can't still can't sing um, in churches. You have to. Oh, you masks. can't sing. You cannot yeah, which sing. Is, which is really yeah, which is really strange. That's sort of bothering a lot of people. Um, huh. So yeah, it's a little bit. We're hoping that they can start to relax the rules. But for yeah, for months we weren't allowed to even do church we had to do just church online so 
Yeah, that's um, what we had. Right now, like I just came from New York and everywhere you go in New York, I mean, everybody's wearing masks, but also everywhere you enter, you have to show your vaccination card. You know, you have yeah. to show them that you're vaccinated if you want to go to any restaurant, any theater or anything. So we are at that, what do you call it, kind of post-pandemic, but being very careful. Yeah. And I know, I know. I, I mean, I don't want to get political, but I know there was some uh, protest in Australia for the mandate. Is that is that goes on? Yeah. To you? Yeah. So not so much in my town, but it was, you know, it's big news. There was just people who were against getting vaccinated or being forced to get vaccinated. And yeah, so just people who were just feeling passionate about that. So yeah, it wasn't so much... It was a funny thing. Like you weren't forced to get vaccinated, but you weren't allowed to keep your job if you didn't get vaccinated. So, <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. You're free to not get vaccinated, but then so it was people were just pretty angry about that because we're not used to, um, you know, being forced to do things. Like Australia's, Australia's just like America. We're it's a free country. We're free to, yeah. Afraid to yeah. do whatever, yeah. So, so you, you know, from your just uh, reading about your uh, bio, you were a troubled teen, you dropped out of school, and a local church got a hold of you. And I mean, what would bring an angry teen to, to really fall in love with the church and all that? What, what, what caused you to turn to God? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I didn't grow up in a in a Christian family or a family that was um, a church going family, and uh, my parents were separated. My dad was being raised by a single dad, and he was a hardworking dad, but he was, you know, he was away. Like he would go to work before he went to school, come home after he went to school. So we were kind of left mm. to our own devices. But um, yeah, I dropped out of school, and most of the people I knew were sort of getting in trouble, and um. Yeah, we dropped out of high school and we were just sort of those kids that had sort of fallen through the cracks a bit. Nobody wanted us around. We were sort mm. of shoot away from shopping malls and shoot away from and just being those skateboard ratbag kids that nobody wanted. And the the first time I experienced somebody actually wanting us around was when a church group, just a small normal church, just came up to us and handed us a pamphlet and said, you're invited to come along to this. You can come. And mm. that at first we're like, we're not going to go to this church thing. Um, but then it just got in my head, you know, I, all week I was just thinking about these people want us around. Nobody wants us around. And, and I, now I know it was just the Holy Spirit just uh, calling, you know. But I ended up going to the church and listening and um, I made a decision to accept Jesus as my saviour and the church really saved my life. You know, like a lot of my friends were getting in trouble with the police and all of a sudden I was around really positive role models. Um, some sweet little old ladies brought me some clothes so I could go for a job interview. They helped me put my resume together. Um, they ended up making me a youth leader and I was volunteering in the church and nobody had ever called me um, anything good before. <laughs> So, so there's people calling me a leader. And, yeah, to this day, I just, I'm married to a Christian woman and my kids growing up in a, just such a different world. And I, I know for certain the church saved my life when nobody else 
wanted me around and gave me a future. And yeah, I just, I really just believe in the local church as being one of the only true forces for good and forces for change in the world that actually makes a difference to a single person that goes for generations. And yeah, so I just, I love the church. Yeah. Now, how, how is the, I mean, how is the reaction by the secular uh, secular Australians to that local church? Is, is there the acceptance? Is there the rejection? Do you need is is it notice? Is it more than before? What where is that at in Australia right now with the Christianity? Yeah, I think it's, it's very different to America. I was in America um, before COVID, and oh. yeah, it's really it is amazing how the difference in in Australia. Um, the church is not, it, it never gets a lot of good publicity. There's never, in the media, there's never much nice to say about the church. And I think a lot of people um, are a bit cynical in Australia. Like I think your average Australian is pretty cynical about whether the church, it does anything worthwhile, you know. So the only time you'd see the church in the paper is if there was some scandal or they're talking about how they don't pay tax or, you know, just always negative um, mm. news. So it's pretty, I think the average Australian would be, have a pretty cynical view of the church. And a lot of what I do when I visit churches is I just proclaim the church afresh by just sharing my story. This is what the church does, not just for mm. me, but for kids in every country in the world. And oftentimes I even feel I'm proclaiming the church again to Aussie Christians, that even they're starting to just think, not, not so certain whether the church really makes a difference. But... um yeah, it definitely made a difference to me. That's for sure. <laughs> now, yeah. Nathan, uh, you know, I wrote a book called "You're So Funny, Daddy: Learning How to Communicate with Your Children Using Humor." And one of uh, we did a survey, and in the survey, we found out that if someone is funny, it's because the father or the mother were funny at home, and the kid is kind of. Uh, took that from the parent or if the dad or the mo- the dad was a serious person then yeah. uh, have 50 percent of the children tried to to be like dad and the other 50 tried to be uh, completely different so they tried to be funny what was your say was your father funny or was he very serious i could be it could be quite serious but i i found him funny even though he wasn't necessarily trying to be funny so my, my dad's a classic. He makes me laugh all the time because he, he just he's very um, he's very serious and he gets grumpy about things that shouldn't bother anyone. <laughs> um, like my latest thing, my dad was over and he's uh, some born again Christians have moved next door to my dad and he and he hates them. And so he comes <laughs> over. <laughs> so he's over at my house saying, you know, Oh, every morning she wants to say hello to me and talk to me and ask how she's going. And look, she baked me these cakes. I don't even like cakes. <laughs> and he cracks me. He's not trying to be funny, but I'm just like, wow, Dad, that's so terrible. She's nice <laughs> to you. She bakes you cakes. Gee, what a horrible neighbor. You know, so it's like it's, it's my dad. Is, I find my dad very funny, but he's not trying to be funny. He's just just a grump and just sees the world in such a, a weird way. But I now, said to my dad, you could just go on stage and just do that. That's just funny. <laughs> now, uh, when did you find out that you were funny? I think I've, at, at school, I've always been that funny. I was always, 
loved making. Were you the clown? Life. Were you the clown or oh, the I'm one not, that made not the clown, right? Not so much the class clown, but I I always found things funny and I saw things as being stupid. I always noticed things that were that were weird, and I I love pointing that out to friends. And then for a long while, I was trying to hide that. And when I became a Christian, I felt like I oh, now I've got to be serious. You know, I'm a Christian yeah. now. I got to stop being so. Yeah, I sort of felt it was like humor was a bit like evil or something like I was trying to like repent from it. And then I became a pastor and I was teaching scripture in schools and I still would be making things funny, but I felt like it wasn't right or I felt I was trying to be taken seriously. So people would say, oh, you're always so funny when you came to our school. And I would always be like, no, I was teaching you about Jesus. Take me seriously. I'm a serious preacher. And it used to like, it bothered me. It used to bother me. And then as I got older and, um, you know, it's partly too, there's a bit of a, in the church and sometimes there's a bit of a class thing where a lot of the clergy are very, they come from good families. They're a bit upper class, good education. And so oh. being, a, being a high school dropout and uh, a bit of, um I, there's a word in Australia they they say like bogan, which means like lower class, but it's sort of it's kind of like what how an American say like trailer trash or it's mm. kind of like that sort of sort of that sort of word. And I was very ashamed of you know who I was and my background, so I was trying to be like pro- professional and proper. Even um, in but, the local yeah. church, even in the church, there was that class. Yeah, it, not so much in the church, but more like in the the majority of people who are clergy or pastors in the, in this kind of very like you don't have many people who talk you know like they're from like a lower class area it's very so a bit professional you know oh. a little bit professional not completely but majority and so I was trying to fit in you know I was as a young man I was trying to fit into that and um and then it was really just uh you know, really just giving up and just being more what God had made me to be in the first place. Saying, so, well, if I'm going to be the funny preacher, instead of being upset about that, <laughs> just accept that I'm never going to be taken very seriously and see how funny could this get if I just went for it. Maybe God could use this to as an evangelistic tool to reach people who wouldn't normally come to church and I mean, I guess that's part of growing up as a Christian so, in your journey, yeah. So uh, w- let's say you were teaching in the church to un- adults, not just youth, and you did that, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're being funny, are they laughing or are they afraid to laugh inside the church? Uh, it depends. <laughs> like most churches are really happy to laugh. Like I've, And it's gotten to the point now where I really don't have bad church gigs uh, anymore uh-huh. because... It's now with YouTube and websites, people can get a they can see what you are before they book you. So if the church is a bit serious, they wouldn't book you. But when I first started, I got booked in some churches that were very serious. Or sometimes they'd say in Australia, this happens a lot. They might say, "Come and speak at all of our services. We have a, a like a seven pm youth service, a ten am family service, and an eight am traditional service." Ooh, and, and so. <laughs> 8 a.m. traditional service. I should have realized this wasn't going to go. <laughs> but I, I went and did it, and it went 
it went pretty terrible. It, it's <laughs> they, but it's but it's sort of some of those. Oftentimes, it's like you know, it's church time, and they've got to be serious in certain. Mm. And you know, I think I opened with the line, "8 a.m." Did you all get up early, or have you been out all night? <laughs> didn't go. Didn't go. They didn't go well. anywhere. <laughs> and yeah. it basically went down from there. You know. They... <laughs> now, when was your first time on stage where you performed just comedy? It wasn't like a you know a teaching or anything. It was just comedy. Yeah, first time I went to a, a pub in Australia, which is like your American bars, where they a do bar. a lot of open mics, mm-hmm. and I just basically felt. By this point, I was feeling like this is going to be the way to do it. Like my non-Christian friends and family, um, they you know they they don't want to come and hear me do a sermon, but they would probably come to hear me do stand up, uh, and I could just share a message in the stand up. Um, and so I went to the pub, and it was terrifying, as you can imagine. Um, they're really rowdy. These clubs, there's a lot of like tough guys there, and um, it was really yeah, I was really absolutely terrified i hadn't been so afraid to do anything in my life and but i just felt you know god i'm just going to do it once and if it goes terrible forget about me being a funny guy never just leave me alone you know and then it went it went really well got a lot of laughs and then i just i kept i just kept coming back i had a lot of material to start with like i was able to go through 10 years worth of sermons and go oh this got a big laugh this got a big laugh this got so i had I had hundreds and hundreds of jokes to start with. Ah. And then it was just a case of just putting them on stage, then learning what worked, what didn't work. And and then I probably did about four or five of these pub shows and then the real work began. Like I've been stunned at just how difficult it is to put together like 40 minutes of stand-up, the work involved. <laughs> it's an, you know, It's like a lot of times... When, before I was doing stand-up, I thought, oh, it's kind of like preaching. But it's just like it's it's just a lot more difficult than – I can do a 30-minute sermon pretty easily, but 30 minutes of stand-up that just keeps hitting them is – it's so much work. Like I really underestimated the work. Uh-huh. You know, the rewriting, the rewriting, that doesn't work, changing. But, yeah, that's how I first started out. Aussie pubs, and I would—I was definitely the only clean comic on the night. That's for sure. <laughs> Have you done many of those pub open mics? And I used to. I used to a lot, long time ago. I—I I did that. You have to pay your dues if you're a—you're going to be a full-time comedian. So yeah, part of that, doing the yeah. bars, doing the strip bars, you know, doing the the coffee houses, open mics, all that. But that's that gets you stronger because. You know, yeah. the audience becomes easier and easier as you mature. You know, yeah, they're no, no longer drunk. They're paid to see you now and they yeah. want to hear you. So it gets better. Now, your first time on stage when you did your comedy, what did you talk about? What material were you disc- talking about? Um, I just did a lot of sort of like uh, jokes about just myself, things that they could relate to. I can remember one of my first jokes I used to do was, I was, I was, it's tough for me to do this stand up because I was savagely bullied in a primary school, but I stood up to those bullies. I was like, hey, you year six bullies, show some respect. I'm 38 years old. You know, did a lot of, <laughs> did a lot of jokes like that about like 
school. Um, I did a bit of jokes just from the news. I remember I used to do a joke like I saw two groups of protesters clashing. One was hitting the other one with a placard. Placard had one word on it, tolerance, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so like just a lot of stuff that you didn't have to be Christian to get. It was just just plain sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I can remember some of that. And it worked fine. You know, they, they understood what I was talking about. They got it. But the rooms are really rough. Like, you know, people, <laughs> you're kind of a little bit afraid to just be there, let alone stand up there. And <laughs> Right. So now, is there's like, okay, let's talk about mainstream comedy in Australia before we get to the church comedy. Uh, in mainstream, there is, like we have the improv and the Laugh Factory and all that. Do you guys have enough clubs to where you can do, like you can survive financially on those or no? Uh, not really. There's, there's probably every major city has like one or two proper comedy clubs and mm. it's it's really difficult to be to be on those because there's Australia's got plenty of comics who have been on television or been on, you know, well-known Australian comics and there's just not that many clubs. So most Australia is like what you guys call one-nighters. So that mm -hmm. all the pubs where there's just like they might have poker on Tuesday and they might have a live band on Friday night, but on Wednesday they'll have comedy. There's oh. a lot of that in Australia, and there is a lot of those, like probably 60, 70 of those around oh. that you could get up and get on those um, small small gigs and, yeah. So it's not like, you know, this is specifically a comedy club where you do every night, comedy night, every night. No, there's probably like maybe 10 or 11 of that in the whole country. So Wow. Yeah, it's really and, not as not the that sort of full-time comedy club. Yeah, it's not big here. So how about the church like is there's enough work for you to where you go from one church to another doing comedy every week? Yeah, is well that... it's it's very emergent in Australia. There's at the moment, um, there's really only two, um, maybe three Christian comedians that are trying to do churches, but it's very new. We haven't had a long history of um, church. So I ring up churches and say, oh, I'm going to be in Adelaide on Friday night. Would you be interested in hosting a, a Christian comedy show? And they're a little bit like, what are you talking about? They're not, it's very new. <laughs> it's a little bit like sort of talking about um, having a, a band with drums in the church in like the 50s yeah you know like this it's kind of like <laughs> this is like uh the united states 25 years ago when i when i moved to the christian uh, comedy and when i called churches uh, like you want to do comedy they think i'm i'm from the devil i'm like yeah really yeah. comedy in the church? so i think is that where like right now the church in australia and yeah. all that but then again, you guys gave us Hillsong. Now I used to go, yeah, you Hillsong. Now people go, Hillsong. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was so, really cutting edge. Yeah, you're right. Like that, they took praise and worship to a whole new level in the 90s. Right. And, you know, it was. Um, but yeah, but with comedy, we're like, yeah, with the music, Australia's been quite cutting edge. With the comedy, we're in the dark ages. There's people are really afraid of it. And a lot of pastors, they, they, don't, they don't really know what it is. So they'll, they'll say to you things like, why would I get you here to come and make fun of people in my church? 
I'm ah. Like, what are you talking about? You know, or so they re- they literally don't even know what stand up comedy is. They actually think I'm going to stand there and just ridicule people, and that's my act. You know, ah. so there's a fear about it, and there's a reluctance. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit. It's just it's just emerging. You know, I feel like just before COVID, I did 27 churches just before COVID shut everything down. So it was really starting to get going. And it was, I was just starting to go back to churches for the second or third time, which is really fun because they know what it is. They're excited. Um, A weird thing's been happening too, where the first time the church is not even really promoting it because they're pretty certain either it won't be funny or it'll be crude or it'll be embarrassing or you'll, yeah, whatever. So they're, they're nervous. But then after they do it once, they always are really confident the second time people invite their friends, the church promotes it, and it's bigger, people are excited. So I feel if I can grind away at it, I will be able to build a bit of a Christian comedy scene. Um, it's, But it's not, I don't think, but it's just one church at a time. You know, like I was saying to my wife at, at, Gor- at uh, Gorakin Baptist Church, they love it. And they always sell a lot of tickets and they're really excited. So I just need like 50 of that and then yeah. we'll be fine, you know? We'll be fine. <laughs> but it is a grind, yeah. You're in a good place. This is where, you know, I remember, you know, when we were in that stage in the U.S. where churches are just starting to open up. And, man, I was so busy and I booked and I was excited. Where were the pioneers and stuff? So that was an exciting time. Now there's like 300 Christian comics here. So, Amazing, you know, the ch- yeah. yeah, so the churches that liked you and they want to have you back now, they, they bring a different comic or a different comic and all that. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Then we had the CCA and I remember you were, you were saying uh, when we talked earlier that you wanted to come and attend the Christian Comedy Conference. Now, yeah. I want to hear about your experience when you first, you said you came to the U.S. before COVID. Uh, what was yeah. your first experience about America? What was your first impression about America? Uh, well, my, I, fir- I first got, we first landed in San Francisco. We flew into San Francisco. So it's I'm just sorry. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I love, kidding. I love those little, um, oh, the, the homes on the hills. They, it's all yes. just so pretty, you know, like I thought it was very pretty. And we went, then after that, we traveled north. We went up to that um, big church in Northern California. Um, oh, visit. Um, oh, what's it called? So, can't think of it now. But yeah, I found um, I found people would were, were just really friendly. You know, in Australia, mm-hmm. there's a bit more of like an independent spirit where you know you wouldn't necessarily like talk to a stranger or invite someone over for barbecue that you just met. But in Northern Cali, like up past San Francisco, it was so friendly. And I was just saying to Ben, I can't believe how friendly everyone is. You know, and then we got down to LA to go to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> whole different kind of American. You know, I was just finally getting used to, oh, you just talk to everybody. Everyone wants to talk to you. And then yeah. I get down to LA and it's like, do I know you? I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so, it's funny. It's That's interesting because, you know, normally we don't think of even San Francisco to be the friendly or like LA. But, I mean, there's places if you go to Nashville or Texas or all these places, 
people are a lot friendlier than but Californians, yeah, we we're we're very friendly. I live close to Disneyland, so I'm very close. Oh, yeah. Like twenty yeah. minutes. So we're we're friendly and we love Orange County and uh, Riverside County, but but you're right, it's it's different. Now, what about have you, did you go to a comedy club? Did you watch any uh, American comedy while you were here? No, no, I didn't get a chance. I was I was on holidays with my wife, and we were only there for about six days. And um, yeah, we, she pretty much had me booked into. She had me pretty booked. I didn't even get to see any sports. I wanted to go see like the uh, the Angels play, or I wanted yeah. to go and see Dodgers. Yeah, and the Mighty Ducks. I wanted to see the Ducks. Oh, the Ducks! Yeah, the Stanley Cup playoffs were on when I was there, and I was about at Disneyland. Uh, all the different touristy things that we did. We went to Huntington Beach. That that was nice. Yeah, that's uh, went, beautiful. Walked around the pier, and there was a youth group doing an outreach there, so I was able to yeah. talk to them. So I found the the Christian people were pretty friendly. So, <laughs> but no, I did love. I did love. I loved America. I loved. Yeah, I, lo- I love. I just love being there, and yeah, it's, I just love it. I love the idea of America. I met, I met some young boys who had just joined the military from the uh-huh. church group, and I was chatting to them, and you know, I was asking them what 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 they why did they feel to join the military, and these kids were just like kids. That's when you know you're getting old when like twenty year olds <laughs> are kids, but uh. <laughs> No, you were you accepted Christ. You you changed your life. Have changed. You started teaching. Did you say you were teaching theology and Christianity in public yeah. school? Is that allowed yeah. to teach uh, in, in public school about Christianity? Yeah, it's just it's still in there. You know, it's just I feel it is. There's a lot of pressure to try and get rid of it, but there's this bit of an arrangement in Australia, like in the early days. Most of the schools were started by churches. So uh-huh. a lot of, you know, you get this crazy country where, you know, all these indigenous people and there's ex-convicts and <laughs> people have come here for the gold rush. And it was a real, it wasn't like the kind of a good way to start a country. It was a bit <laughs> of a mess. <laughs> and so you got all these, all these, Children were just not being educated. So the churches started nearly all these free public schools. And so mm. that as a little hangover to that in our country, there's this set-aside bit that even though the schools are run by the state now, public schools, there's a bit of religion left in mm. there. And I used to be that that teacher. You're not very popular with the other staff. <laughs> and oh. you're, not very, you're not very – the kids don't necessarily – but I mean, and that's where you've got to make it a bit funny to just try and engage them. So you got to just be a little bit like, you got to tell some silly stories or just got to try and connect with them. But I did that for years. I, I felt it was really worthwhile, you know, just teaching the kids, teaching hundreds of kids about uh, the Bible and faith. And these are kids that wouldn't have um, been hearing about the Bible or anything in their homes. So it was really rewarding. And I, at the time, I thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life, you know, but. I think you do reach an age where it's better to have someone really close to their age. I was like 22 when I was doing that. And so I think it's more powerful if you're, you're almost like a, a peer uh-huh. you know, at that age. So, yeah. Now you got married and you had your first child. Uh, what's his or her name? What's, what's uh, Lachlan the... was my first son. Lockie. Lachlan. We were, yeah. We were married for a while. We were married for about 10 years before we, 
had kids, but we got married very young. I was 21. My wife was 20. We met at church. And so, um, but we were just loving being married, you know, just when you're married and have no kids, it's, it's great. You know, we're traveling and yeah, we so yeah. sort of now, kept putting it off. <laughs> now, what was it like? Okay. Uh, being a dad, I mean, uh, it was different for you. You were raised by a dad, a single dad. No, yeah. your dad was raised by a single dad. You were, what was the, uh, how, how did you, I know, uh, the question, my, of course, I know the answer, but how did you learn to be a good dad when maybe you, your dad was, you know, not the perfect example, maybe? Or yeah, what? I see what you're saying. Yeah, like it's just the, the family, yeah, the family being in, having been a good family. Well, a big part of it was that my wife grew up in a Christian family. Her uncles are pastors. Um, and so, you know, she, it's all very natural to her to be like praying for kids before they go to bed and, and talking to your children about the Bible and eating at the table together instead of eating, you know, eating in front of the television, eating also <laughs> cooking food at home. When you're raised by a single dad, you eat a lot of pizza or Chinese food. <laughs> and so it was like, you know, so a lot of like what people would call like a normal Christian family, a lot of it has just come from my wife. Like, It's also natural to her. I'm a little bit just learning as I go. And uh, also, too, I just knowing a lot of families in the church. I mean, I I can remember when I was a new, just started going to church and I was 16 years old, I saw this dad, like, hugging his son. And I was a bit uh -huh. like, whoa, what's going on? Like, I was a bit confused. Like, you know, so this is weird. And so I didn't grow up in a very, like, sentimental family or anything. So really, it's my wife, you know. She's, I'm just learning as I go. And learning, like a learning, a, just a new normal, you know, like, and um, it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful seeing kids. My son is so different to me, you know, but growing up in a, in a Christian family, going to a Christian school, growing up in church, you know, sometimes I get worried that he's like, he's a bit sensitive. He's, but people are supposed to be kind and sensitive. That's, that's a normal person. Uh, that's they're a generation. To, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're not meant to be horrible, hard, um, bitter, grumpy people. <laughs> Now, does that reflect on your act and your material? I mean, what would be, let's say you're doing 40 minutes. What bits do you talk about in 40 minutes? What do you, Yeah, there's a I, lot of that. Yeah. Family. Well, yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of family, a lot of like just the, the culture clash of my upbringing and my wife's upbringing, the differences, how, you know, there's a lot of that, a lot of clash. And I mean, even when I met Beck's, uh, Beck's parents, my wife's, when I met their parents, I was 18 years old. I'd been a Christian for five minutes. I was a skateboarder. I didn't have a job. <laughs> And my, grand, my, my future father-in-law said, what are you going to do for a job? And I said, I'm just going to trust the Lord, you know, which is the wrong answer. Don't, that's not the right answer. <laughs> He's like, I raised my daughter to be a Christian, not to date someone who trusts the Lord. And so it was, there, was not, there was a huge culture clash. Um, but you know what? Um, trusting the Lord worked out. You know, God is good. And we live in a big house. We have plenty of money. And now when my father-in-law comes and sits in my spa bath, 
I'm like, you like me now, Wayne? You know, you like me now. <laughs> That's <laughs> and so funny. There's a real big – there there's a huge culture clash. My, my wife and I grew up in just different worlds and we're sort of making it come together. So it is good for comedy material because there's yeah. constant clashing of <laughs> – Now, how do you – how do you – let's see. How do you come up with a bit? I mean, let's say you – do you start with an idea and you start – do you sit and write every day? Yeah, yeah, I have a discipline of just writing every day. But often, usually, I'll see something that bothers me or whatever, and I'll put it in my notes, and then later on, I'll deal with it. Or if I just see something that's just funny, I'll just write it down and start to go with it. Like I, I saw a newspaper the other day. It said, man destroys karaoke machine with shovel. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's, just, that's just funny by itself, <laughs> right? Funny. And then usually in my writing, like I'm straight away taking, I like to take the contrarian view. So uh -huh. instead of going, what a bad man, I like to go, well, look, who hasn't considered destroying a, a karaoke machine? We've all been there. You know, this guy's basically doing a service, you know. And I mean, and who's stupid enough to put a shovel next to a karaoke machine? It's only a matter of time before somebody... And Did then, like, he have to go to get the shovel uh, or was he singing while he was hitting it? I yeah, don't know. That's true. I mean, what song was being played when he hit the karaoke machine? Well, you know, <laughs> was the person a terrible singer? So I sort of, then I'll just, and I'll just play around with that. Like all week, I just won't get that out of my head. I'll just be thinking, I'll just be thinking of ways to justify what he did. Yeah. Somebody in the comments mm -hmm. just said frozen. Yeah. Like yeah. if, if oh. a terrible singer was singing "Let It Go" in a pub, uh -huh. why, why wouldn't you smash the karaoke machine? <laughs> <laughs> was he hitting them on the right notes or? <laughs> yeah, he keep the beat. The funny yeah. thing is, <laughs> it says he d he destroyed the karaoke machine. So I'm picturing he just kept hitting it like once it had gone down. So that, that sort of stuff. That's to me. That's that's the universe just giving you free comedy. It's just that's just so ridiculous. And then so, I feel you just take a different angle. Like when I, if, I, if that ends up being on stage, the guy destroying the karaoke machine will be the good guy. Like I like to turn things around and just um, take things, yeah, just take a different angle. Um, but do you, uh, what do you call it? Like do you sometimes like take uh, like months and months to work on a bit and you keep refining it or you just boom you try it you do it a few times and it and that's it it's it keeps coming the same way do you keep oh writing? yeah yeah it's a constant yeah that's it's a constant process so if i oftentimes if i've got a new bit i'll like test it in either an open mic or sometimes if i'm doing a big set if i'm doing like a 50 minute set i feel you can get away with like a minute of something that's that's new as long as mm -hmm. i've worked it up, written it out over and over, memorized it, worked out the angle I'm doing. And then I'll just listen to the the playback and go, oh, that didn't work out. Uh, that didn't go well. And just make changes. And then if it goes completely terrible, I'll probably just forget about it. But if it went okay, I'll keep working on it. And then over, you know, 40, 50 times of doing it and just constantly refining it, you think of new things, uh, yeah, just constantly just working. So I feel it's like a really long process of uh, months of just working on it. But a lot of it is in the writing. Then you go back and look at it. Sometimes you look at the writing 
you're like, oh, that would be funny, or that would be funny. You start tagging your own jokes. But it, it, it's hard to nail down, but it all really just begins with a thought, usually just something that's bothering me. And I love it if it's something that's bothering me that everyone else loves. Like I was at my, I was at my school talent night and uh-huh. I, was, I wasn't enjoying it, you know, and everyone else is loving it. And I'm at this primary school, this elementary school talent night, and I'm like, hey, principal, we've been here for three hours. Like not every kid's got a talent. How long is this going to go for? And anything, if I find something's like just bothering me even slightly, I usually start with that. And then it, it often, yeah, often leads somewhere. What yeah. is, what, what, what do your kids think of your comedy? Do you think you're funny or do you think you're not funny? They do. They, they, they actually are still at that age where they like it. So <laughs> my oldest son is 13 and he's just right. starting. He's just starting to think, I don't know whether, I don't know why anyone comes. Yeah. So my, my youngest daughter, she, you know, when you're seven, if you go and watch your dad perform to 300 people at a church, she thinks I'm the most famous comedian in the world, you know, when it actually right. nobody knows who I am. Like, I'm completely not known. But then uh, my son, he's just starting to get to the point where he's like, I, didn't, I don't know why people are laughing. He'll be sitting at a church going, what? How come? <laughs> like, why does trust, anyone find this funny? Trust me, the miracle in my life is that I didn't quit comedy uh, uh, because my two kids, the older ones, kept the all three of them now convinced me I should not be doing comedy. I'm not funny. <laughs> I should leave the business. Why does anybody come see me? And so it's it's so funny to do. Now, do you do you now only focus on churches doing churches? Yeah, that's my most thing. I mostly like doing. But inside, I was at a I did a pub show last night, but mm-hmm. I don't. It's you know, it's just not it's not meaningful. You know, like uh-huh. I'm, a, I'm away from my kids. I'm out away from my family. And what are we doing? We're just selling drinks. We're just, you know, whereas you go into, I did uh, just before COVID, I did a, a, a show for Prison Fellowship. And oh, they yeah. Take, they take all the teenagers who have got a parent in prison and they take all these teenagers and take them on a camp and just share Jesus with them. And mm-hmm. so I got to do a gig to like, 300 teenagers who were just like me growing up just oh. like how i grew up and you know here's this person i'm making them laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh i love youth group gigs they just because they're so they're they're not teenagers aren't thinking well should i be laughing they're not so self-conscious youth group gigs are are i love doing comedy to teenagers and they were laughing 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 but then you get to show your testimony you see kids are crying and then you get to say, hey, you know what? I was just like you. Some of you could become preachers. Some of you could mm. become working in the church. Some of you could make a difference. To One day people are going to say, thank God for you. And and you can just proclaim a Christ future upon them. And, you know, you're driving home from that gig and you're like going, no matter how old they get to be, they'll never be a waste of time, you know. And I'm away from my family, but it's, it's worth it. Whereas you do a pub gig. It's very shallow. You know what I mean? Like, sure, people are laughing, but so what? It's, right. We're just selling beer. Like, you know, whereas I, so for me now, and I think it's partly just because I, I miss my wife, I miss my kids so much when I'm away. It's like, if I'm getting, if I'm going somewhere, it's got to be really worth it from a kingdom perspective. So I'm, I feel like as COVID ends, I really just want to be doing ministry type 
events. Um, you know, the yeah. secret for me is I charge a lot of money if I don't get to share <laughs> Jesus. I'm serious. Yeah, I will ask. Are, yeah. I will ask triple or four or five times if I if I'm not gonna share Jesus. They just want me to do just comedy. This is my rate. And if you wanna yeah, pay it, I'll wow. come. It's worth it then. I'll take that money, it is good. Then I'm able to do a church for less money and all that. But to yeah, just wow. go like that and be funny. But you know what, you're right. But what can I mean this I don't expect an answer, but what can Americans today learn from Australians today? What yeah. can we learn from you guys? I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I'm not sure. I think um, when I was over in America, I loved the the church. I think the way you guys do church, it's it's on a real more incredible level. A lot of the churches I visited, I was amazed. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I love it. I love American church. I love I love Americans. I can't think of anything that we do that's like phenomenally better. It's but I'm, but I guess I'm in the comedy scene, so we're like 30, 40 years behind. Yeah. Well, what, what Christian comedy is in the States, we're like way behind this. Uh, it's still really, really new. Um, but yeah, I can't think of anything that you'd say, hey, you should do this. Uh, I was really impressed. Um, what, yeah. what can our listeners, there's people listening right now, what can, let's see, a 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80-year-old person listening, how can they reach out to a high schooler? From your yeah. experience, how can we reach them for Christ? What can we say? What would be impactful for that generation? What do you think? Yeah, I really, yeah, it's a really great question. I think for for me as that 15-year-old kid who was never going to set foot in church, um, just going out of their way and saying, you can come, like it doesn't seem like much, but just inviting somebody in to the church just saying you can come in because I didn't know I could come in. I never would have walked in. I didn't know how it worked. And I didn't, you know, and I feel sometimes as, as Christians, we can overthink like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to phrase it. I'm not really clever. But, you know, the Holy Spirit does the work. The Bible mm -hmm. says you'll be my witnesses and so will the Holy Spirit. But like the Holy Spirit will, will be witness as well. I think sometimes... Don't overthink it too much. Just say something. Just tell someone something. Invite someone to something and you'll see what the Holy Spirit can do. Because really, when I think back, the person just said, here's a pamphlet. You boys are invited. And that, and the Holy Spirit went to work. And my entire future and my children's children's future was altered by that. So I think just being prepared to go out of your way and just invite somebody in it's people are really lonely and for me nobody wanted me and so today i just i only want to talk about the church you know people say to me um well there's good people in there's good people who are atheists and there's good people who are, yeah well no atheists invited me to anything and no mm -hmm. university wanted me and they they didn't and they could atheists in theory could run their own youth groups but they just don't. And so um, I just think as a believer, if that's something I always try to be aware of, is always be ready to say to somebody I've just met, hey, you're invited. This is for you as well. And just you don't need to preach at them or whatever. You don't need to harass them, but just just let someone know. that Invite someone to something. Yeah, it's, that can be really good. 
That's that's really that's a great answer. And uh, uh, you did a bit about telemarketers. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> hilarious. And it just was that a bit that you did. Uh, and I want to encourage everyone to go to your YouTube, Uncle uh, Nath. Yeah, Uncle Nath, and to watch uh, your stand up because in this show we we talk real life. We don't talk yeah. about the bits, but. Uh, uh, it, it's so funny and uh do you do, yeah so i want to encourage you guys go to uncle nath on youtube and watch uh his comedy and his stuff now are you doing stuff because of covid uh, you know like did covid uh, of course it impacted your stand-up but uh were you still were you doing stuff online that you're you know nah. That, uh, no nah, i wasn't actually yeah it was and for me i'm you know i'm I'm 42 and all that tech stuff's a little bit like, I just want to do stand up. I want to stand in front uh -huh. of real people. But then with COVID, it just, I really feel God used it to force me to do the video because I never thought, and I didn't want to do videos that other people had done. So the first video I had was, I had this idea of doing, I thought, well, I'm, I didn't finish high school. I'm dyslexic. So I should start doing, book reviews but <laughs> but I'll, i won't read the books because they'll take ages so i'll just judge the books by their cover and so i the first video i, I did i just literally did a book review of a book without reading it and just judged the cover. <laughs> and just i started just judging books by their cover and then everyone liked it and they encouraged me so then i just kept going but yeah it's really because of covid i'm like i'm putting out just joke ideas I keep thinking of, they would normally would just sneak into a gig or into an uh -huh. open mic. I'm just firing. But it's helped me with my writing because you see that um, some of those clips, you have to really get it good straight away. It's not like in an open mic, you could be a bit more sloppy. you got to like, no, write it really, really good. It's just going to be one ch chance and the whole thing's going to be good or it's not. Um, right. I'll, I, I'll, I mean, I've been thinking I might take that on the road. I mean, at the end of the clip, you know how I did the movie bit with the music. Yeah. I've been experimenting with having a sampler where I can hit it and have that stirring music come up and do the and do that live. And so uh -huh. I'm, gonna, I'm really looking forward to seeing if I could carry off that thing live. But yeah, it was mostly because of uh, COVID. I started doing YouTube clips, and yeah. I'm still not that good at it. It's a completely different skill. It is. It is. I, yeah. I hated it when I did it. Yeah. But now you're, you're doing so much stuff. You're on every night of the week now. I know. I'm, in fact, tonight <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go back. And yeah, I I, you get, you know, when, once you get the hang of it, it becomes easy and stuff. Yeah. And you have to trust to, that you don't, you don't have to be funny every single second. And that's, what yeah. made, that's why my show is about the, the fans being funny. So I'm, yeah. I'm it, it's an easy for me because the first few shows, like when I started this show live, live with Naz uh, on Facebook every night, we, we were going for two hours a day, then one hour. And I was doing my act and then I ran out after five yeah. or six shows. I ran out of material. I'm trying to be funny, but then I started, I asked a question. A funny yeah. question and all of a sudden people are coming with funny answers and boom, I go, good. I can just enjoy 
the the people being funny, not me being funny. And that's yeah. why I encourage people to watch because that's their opportunity to be funny and all that. Now, how can that's people a get idea. a how can yeah. people get a hold of you? How can they find um, more about you? I guess the easiest way would just be I've got a website, it's unclenath.com. So unclenath.com. Unclenath.com. Yeah, and then you can pick the email me or whatnot. Um, yeah. Can we have an Australian godly man close our show by telling people who are watching how to draw closer to Jesus? Yeah. Would you do that for us? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so just in, in closing, yeah, I just would love to encourage you if you have I'd seen this for the first time and you've never made a decision to follow the Lord, to follow Christ, I'd encourage you. It just begins with that choice. That I'm just gonna I'm gonna devote my life to Christ. I'm gonna follow Jesus. You could reach out to Naz here, or you could reach out to myself, and we'll help get you in contact with the church. Um, but yeah, I just really want to um, encourage you. Let's during COVID, our hope is in the Lord. You know, there's some hope in governments, some hope in chariots, some hope in the powers of this age. But our hope is in the Lord. And during COVID, our hope has not been shaken. Our hope has not been pushed to the side or disrupted because those that hope in the Lord, their hope remains through it all, that the throne room of God has not been affected by viruses and disease and sickness on, on earth. And um, so I'd encourage you, just don't, during this season, let it be a time we remember where our hope is. Our hope is not in the things of this world. Our hope is in the Lord. And we reconnect with that by just praying, by reading our Bible, by worshipping. And, man, and those that fix their hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will run and not grow weary. And uh, I want to encourage you, let's, in a time like this, sometimes all we have is the Lord. And so it makes it Amen. easier. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for these words. And you're right. If you feel like, hey, how do I know, how do I come to know Jesus? How do, can I draw closer? You can, you can email me at naz at nazarsusa. Our website. You can go to Facebook under Comedian Nazareth and uh, and send me um, on Messenger questions, whatever you need, prayer, and also you can go to UncleNath.com, UncleNath.com, and just you know email him and ask questions if you if you live in Australia or yeah. wherever you can do that. And I want to thank you so much, Nath, for being here. I yeah. pray that God will just open the door for you as the country is opening up again and you'll be so busy. I would love to work with you when you come to the U.S. Or yeah, if I come to Australia, I would love to, uh, yeah. you know, love to work together and join you. And hopefully you can get a hold of uh, King and & Country and those other Australian bands here that you can open for them when they you can, they can yeah. bring you with them to the US. That would be yeah, great. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for your time. Blessings on yeah. you and your career and your family. And okay. guys who are watching, thank you so much for watching us. And I want to encourage you to watch our uh, uh, show, comedy show, oh, live with Naz every weeknight at eight thirty p.m. Pacific time, California time, uh, on Facebook under Comedian Nazareth where you become the comedian for an hour. Love you guys, and thank you guys so much for watching our show, and we'll, we'll see you next time. So please subscribe to this channel or encourage your friends to subscribe to this channel. Thank you, and have a great night. God bless.